In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes the church, through her cycle of feasts and seasons and commemorations, conspires to teach us so clearly about a particular topic, a particular theme. It feels like today is a Sunday like that. Today the church teaches us about generosity, the generosity of God, and then by extension, the generosity that we are to have toward those around us. Today is the, the eighth Sunday of Luke, which means on the eighth Sunday of Luke, every year we read the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this story of mercy, of generosity, of the Good Samaritan. It's a parable that we know well, so I won't go into great detail about it. But we see how the Good Samaritan shows his generosity by giving him oil, allowing him to ride on his animal, paying for his time at the inn, saying that he'll pay more if it's needed. Such great generosity and such great mercy. And at the end of the gospel, we hear the answer from the man who was trying to test Jesus when asked who of these people proved the neighbor. He said, the one who showed mercy on him. Or you could say the one who did mercy, because in the Greek it's more about doing, which is what we do. Mercy is an act. It's a form of generosity towards another person. And also by God's providence on this, the eighth Sunday of Luke, it happens to be that the eighth Sunday of Luke is on November 12th. And on November 12th every year, we celebrate St. John the Merciful. You read, can read about him in your bulletins there. Not right now. But St. John the Merciful was a patriarch of Alexandria. He was actually first, he was born in Cyprus. He had a wife and family, but tragically they perished. And he was left alone, and he pursued the monastic life. And because of his great piety, he was actually asked to be the patriarch of Alexandria as a layperson. He wasn't a bishop, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a deacon. And so they ordained him and made him into the patriarch of Alexandria. And in that role, he was incredibly merciful. And again, mercy and almsgiving Come, are, are much more closely linked in Greek. So you have to imagine acts of mercy. When we say John the Merciful, yes, it means that he forgave people. But more importantly, it means that he did merciful acts towards others, towards those in need. And so St. John was well known for giving to the poor, for supporting those in need. And it's interesting that on this same day, we also commemorate another bishop who's known for good works, which is St. Martin of Tours, who was two centuries later. St. John was in the fourth century. St. Martin was in the sixth century. He was known as the Enlightener of, of Gaul, of France, modern-day France. But he was also an incredibly generous person, giving of everything that he had. And these two examples <clears throat> that God has brought together on this day, on the day that we learn about the the parable of the Good Samaritan, make it very clear this message of generosity, how important generosity is. And the epistle that we read today was the epistle for St. John the Merciful. And in it, St. Paul makes so very explicit the importance of generosity and how God's generosity extends through us towards others. St. Paul in the epistle says, 
The point is, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We, of course, think of the image of farming, of planting seeds, but he's not talking about planting physical seeds of physical plants. He's talking about the giving away of the things that we have for the need of others, and that in that giving away of something, we will receive more. Of course, it won't be, it's not prosperity theology. I'm going to receive more in, in this world, necessarily, but that I receive more in eternal life. And he continues saying, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. You do well to remember these words. God is able provide, to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that, it's not the end of the sentence, so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. It's an equation. God gives to us, we who are Christians are called to be like God, to then take those blessings that God has given us and give to those in need. And then he says further, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources and increase your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for great generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving in God. We see how clearly St. Paul is teaching us of the generosity of God. Another way we could say this epistle is, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about a single thing because God has got it taken care of. God will provide for you everything that you need and in abundance. That's what it says here, in abundance. God is generous and merciful, and we must be generous and merciful. Earlier this week, we celebrated another bishop of the church, another hierarch who, in the likeness of St. John the Merciful and St. Martin of Tours, was very humble and generous, and that was St. Nectarios. We celebrated him on Thursday. St. Nectarios is a more contemporary saint. You can watch a movie about him, Man of God but he lived within the 20th century, and so he encountered some of the same things that we experience in our modern lives as well. But just incredibly giving and generous. I was celebrating St. Nectarios' liturgy at the Monastery of the Life-Giving Spring in California earlier this week, because I went down there. We had our son baptized, you'll see him soon, John Antimos, and uh, you probably were wondering why he is named Antimos. That's the name his godmother gave him, which is the abbess of the monastery, Yorondesa Marquela. So she has a love for St. Anthemos, so she gave him the name. But anyway, we were there and celebrating the liturgy for St. Nectarios. And in that liturgy, we express our gratitude to God for his great generosity and blessing of giving us saints, giving us intercessors like these incredible bishops that we have in the church that we commemorate. And we express that gratitude liturgically through Koliva and through Artoclasia. Artoclasia you may be more familiar with. It's the five loaves of bread that are offered. But also a practice within the church is the practice of offering Koliva in honor and remembrance and, and, and gratitude to God for the saint. This is different from Koliva offered for the departed. It's Koliva that's offered as thanksgiving to the saint. And at the monastery, we celebrated that. We offered Koliva and, and Artoclasia 
for St. Nectarios, St. Minas, and for many of the saints to offer this. But offering Arthroclesia and Koliva are acts of gratitude in remembrance of God's generosity. So yes, we're thankful to the saint that God has given us, but even in the actual things themselves that we're offering, we're remembering God's generosity. How is this? Because Arthroclesia is the phrase is the breaking of the loaves. That's what arthroclasia means. The breaking of the loaves, it reminds us, as the prayer in the arthroclasia service says, of when God broke the loaves and distributed the loaves and fish to 5,000 men plus women and children. And what came back were all the baskets of fragments. Far more came back than he had in the beginning. And likewise with the story of Koleva, this comes from St. Theodore, who appeared to the Christians in a time when there was a, an apostate emperor who was trying to basically starve the Christians or make them eat food offered to the pagan gods. And so St. Theodore came and appeared to the, the patriarch then and told them to eat the boiled wheat. And through the first week of Great Lent, they survived by eating this boiled wheat. And so the boiled wheat, which is the koliva, also reminds us of God's generosity that God is constantly providing for us. In the uh, monastery trapeza, the dining hall that we're sitting in, there's a door that goes into some other room, and on that door it's uh, richly engraved, and they, or, uh, carved, I should say, it's a wooden door. And this door is carved with the image of Christ, with the, the bread, and then all those baskets of remnants, of fragments, to remind us that God will always make more out of everything. There are all those baskets in this, in this image on this door to remind us it was just five loaves, and yet all of this came out of it. As we were sitting at the meal, there were three Greek gentlemen that were sitting across the table from me, and I got to talking to them, and lo and behold, they are the carvers whose carving studio carved that door. They were telling all about how it takes three to four people to produce a door like that, and many weeks to, to produce the carving, to make the drawing of what to make, to carve, and he said, especially to carve the faces. That's a special grace of God, to be able to carve the faces. I'm sitting there talking with them, and it turns out they didn't just carve that door. They carved everything that is wooden and carved in all of that monastery, and everything that is wooden and carved up in Goldendale, at St. Anthony's, at Holy Archangels, at most of these monasteries across the country. Their studio carved these. They're, they're out of Ceres in Greece. So if you've ever been up to Goldendale and seen the elaborate iconostasis, these are the, the men and all the people in their studio that carved that. And at the end of the meal, we offered a prayer, which is customary to offer. And that prayer talks about, take these remnants from this table and multiply them throughout the world. And that prayer always strikes me because it's really a stumbling block for our rational mind, right? What does our rational mind say is going to happen with the remnants from that table? They're going in the garbage. Maybe there'll be some leftovers. Maybe they'll be fed to animals. And yet the prayer says, multiply those fragments throughout the world. We can't use our rational mind to figure out how God works. 
and especially this is true for us as we encounter our own lives. I've been talking much about generosity and God's generosity. What about in our own lives? Because in our own lives, in this fallen and broken and sinful world, we usually succumb to a mentality of scarcity. There are only so many things, or I only have so many things, or I don't have enough for this, or there isn't enough, or I don't know how this will happen. And these can be big things, losing a job, or having some huge financial trial, or whatever it is. They may be very big things. But in all of them, it's a crisis of faith. It's not a crisis of possessions, or of quantity, or of money. It's a crisis of faith. Because in this prayer, at the end of every meal, and I encourage you to be praying before your meals and pray after your meals as well, he will bless the remnants from the table throughout the world. And if we don't believe that, just remember the baskets that came up from his feeding of the 5,000. His multiple feedings of multiple thousands of people. It is beyond our comprehension, the generosity of God. It's beyond our comprehension. So we cannot use our mind to figure out how things are going to be provided for us. When we listen to what St. Paul says here, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. We know that maybe a little bit with our mind. We don't know that in our very being. God's going to provide me with every blessing in abundance? God will, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply my resources and increase my harvest for righteousness? Do I really believe that? Will I believe that when I encounter and face the struggles that I face in life? When I was at the monastery, I also had the, the blessing of having my dear friend Father Ninos and his wife Presbytera Tina come to the baptism. Father Ninos and Presbyteratina are Assyrian by, by birth. And she was telling about this uh, saying that they have in, in uh, Assyrian culture. And to understand, Assyrians speak Syriac. Syriac is the, the language that exists today that is closest to ancient Aramaic. So it's like hearing the words of Christ in these words. But she said this phrase, they would, her mother would always say this phrase, God is good. I'll try my best at this. Allah rahmana ile. Her mother would say this. Allah rahmana ile again and again. And when would she say God is good? When difficulties happened. When struggles came. When there was a doubting, an uncertainty about what's going to happen in this situation. Maybe a little bit of fear about what's going to come. Her mother would say to her, God is good. God is good. Like what I was saying a few weeks ago about the church is telling us. For he is good God and loves mankind. This is something that we can say to ourselves. We don't want to just say God is good when we receive the blessings. We want to say God is good when we face trials and struggles and difficulties. Because that's when we really need to know that God is good. By saying that phrase, God is good, I'm reminding myself, he is good even now in this circumstance and situation that I'm in. But we could add to that, God is merciful. God is generous. He will give us what we need. So today God has given us this Sunday on which generosity has been made incredibly apparent. 
May we know and have faith in God's generosity. And likewise, may we become vessels of that generosity toward